Welcome back to One Winning Pod. Guys, Alec, Chris, and Peter here, and this is a very special pod. Very special thing happening today. Alec, do you want to share what's new about this pod? Oh, I guess you're trying to say, like, I'm in a new recording situation, (laughs) and if I sound different, it's because I'm in this cavernous room that I really need a treat. (laughs) There's, like, nothing in it. So, uh, yeah, my apologies in advance if I sound like crap uh, until I get it uh, sussed out. (laughs) But, yeah, I I live much closer to the bank now. This was the idea, and I'll be here for a very long time, I imagine. So, you've bought a home, and it's very exciting. Uh, Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. But uh, for listeners out there, it's uh, just as exciting today because we're doing our uh, highly anticipated State of the Division episode. I believe this is our third one uh, that we've done uh, over the last couple of seasons. And uh, yeah, we're really excited for this one to kind of talk about the other uh, divisional teams and figure out what they've been up to, what have they done uh, via the draft and offseason moves, and what can we kind of expect from each of them going into this season. State of Division has been delayed this year due to... uh circumstances surrounding the browns usually we record this in june and now we're pushing almost into august (laughs) and we noticed before the show two weeks before the ravens are about to uh play their first preseason game and we're like wow we're finally doing the state of the division (laughs) like we don't have much more time to do it (laughs) yeah and uh i guess we'll jump right out with talk about these cleveland browns um you know they're an interesting team um i've listened to a lot of fan brown podcast over the past couple days as research for this and uh they're very high they're very high on their team um and you know there's some reasons to for them to feel in in some ways they feel kind of similar to how our fan base feels they feel that their team outside of quarterback situation performed admirably last year circumstances are a bit different baker was playing through an injury lamar got hurt and couldn't play certainly you know baker is no longer in Cleveland. He has been traded to Carolina. Uh, as of time of recording, we do not know for how many games Deshaun Watson will be suspended. It seems almost a foregone conclusion that he will be suspended some subset of games. The question is the number. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the quarterback position, they're looking at likely Jacoby Brissett starting the season. Ravens fans, we've, we've seen Jacoby Brissett before. I uh, came here when he was with the Colts back in 2017, I want to say. It was like a Christmas Eve game or day before Christmas Eve. The Ravens won that one. And then obviously in Miami uh, when 2-0 got hurt. So, I mean, Brissett, capable quarterback. Uh, you know what you're going to get with him. Uh, modern equivalent to a Trent Dilfer type, I think, is a fair comparison uh, from a broad sense. Um, you've yet look at this game closer there's differences but you can look at it that way is fair but I think it'll be interesting to see what the Browns want to do here because Brissett and Deshaun Watson obviously very different skill sets uh, so who knows what the NFL has told the Browns at this point about what to expect but that's got to be giving their offensive coordinators a headache here you got to develop an offense that is going to be vastly different than the guy they traded the buttload for uh so it's going to be an interesting road for them to traverse there yeah definitely i think you know the qb situation for the browns it's um you know they're at a crossroads um honestly um obviously we'll have to see what, what's going to happen with watson but you know if he's out for an extended period of time uh that really kind of i, I think it really alters the, tra- the trajectory of their franchise uh to be quite honest with you you know if he doesn't play until you know, late this year, maybe not until next year, you know, that's just, I, I know that they've, you know, done some magic with the uh, contract of his to try and backload some of that anyway, but um, just from a, you know, time on the football field, I mean, it would have been, Deshaun didn't play last year, um, I think he didn't play for a little bit before then, before, cause, because he got hurt, um, so it'll be another year that he doesn't play, like, that's a long time away from football, Um yeah, I think we talked about it before, but they made a huge bet with this. Um, yeah, it, it, but it's it really, I think, is going to be key to the next couple of years for the Browns, uh, no matter how well they draft or bring in other free agents. Like, that really is, that's a lot of money. So that's going to affect their franchise big time. Yeah, I mean, and you also have, like, a lot of other problems around the quarterback position, not just the fact that Jacoby Percet 
is a different quarterback than Deshaun Watson, but also Deshaun Watson hasn't played the game in two years. Uh, so running away from defensive linemen, he has not, just allegations. So I... <laughs> I've been waiting all week to use that line. <laughs> that was good. That was good. So, um, anyways, I just like I don't know. Like, obviously, they have a really good running game, which we'll talk about next, and they can lean on that. But they don't even have like great pass catching options, uh, all things considered. So, it's really a it's a hard offense, I think, to crack. And I'm curious what they're going to do. I mean, they brought in Rosen. <laughs> in the blockbuster trade for the former first rounder. Uh, but yeah, I just don't know what to really expect out of this whole situation or what kind of offense they're going to look like. Yeah. You guys bring up a great point with the fact that Watson's already been out of football for a full season as it is. He's going to a new team for all intents and purposes. It really seems like this upcoming season is going to be a wash for the Browns from the quarterback standpoint. Now, as we'll get to with the running backs, you know, can they put together an offense that where it doesn't matter, where the quarterback can play suboptimally, at least in Watson's case, suboptimally to what they paid for and still make the playoffs this year? I think that is within the realm of possibility for them with just how good this backfield is. Um, You know, you've got Nick Chubb, who's one of the best running backs in the game right now. Kareem Hunt, I know I think he's slightly, I've said before, I think he's slightly overrated, but he is still a very quality number two back in the NFL. I'm pretty sure he's on a contract year, so there's that to look for out for as well. Uh, and then Darius Johnson had to step up a couple times last season. Um, every game where he had over 10 carries, he was incredible. Uh, so, you know, they've, they're going to rely heavily on these guys in the beginning of the season with, with Brissett, I would imagine. You know, we obviously know what that can do in the modern NFL with the Ravens liking to do that as well. Um, so, you know, the, the offense isn't completely without options here. They're going to try and run the ball quite a bit and, you know, just see how far that three-headed monster can take them early on. Yeah. Kind of shifting over to the, you know, wide receiver tight ends. I know, um, you know, based on the offseason, it seems like they have lost a lot more uh, people than they've probably gained. So, obviously, Odell Beckham was traded to the Rams midseason, so he's no longer there. Uh, Landry let go. Austin Hooper let go. So, they did bring in Amari Cooper, probably equivalent to some of those guys, like maybe a little bit better if he's healthy. Maybe not Beckham, but maybe Landry, kind of equivalent to him. But that's probably about it. Um, I know they drafted a few guys, David Bell and um, Mike Woods, um, another wide receiver that they drafted. Uh, The tight end room, it's really just Harrison Bryant and David Njoku, who were already there last year. You know, if if you're if if we're trying to build a team and and trying to like you know increase the number of weapons, I can't really say the Browns did that. I mean, we'll we'll see. I think with some of their you know mid round picks at wide receiver, if if those guys kind of pan out. But for a team that's you know doubling down on the running game, you know it's it's funny because I feel like the Ravens Ravens fans would have the same argument of you know why didn't they have more weapons? Why didn't they have more weapons? Um, where, you know, I think in particular with the case of the Browns, they just didn't have a whole lot of draft picks. So um, unlike the Ravens. So they, they really just, you know, they've they've lost a few guys that they really haven't been able to replace. And, you know, those they might be the guys, but um, it's certainly hard to kind of ask for all those late round picks to hit right away. When you add that with the quarterback situation, yeah, it's going to be tough. I think it goes back to what Alex said, uh, you know, what you said earlier in that, uh, you know, what's this offense really going to look like? You know, it, it other than the running game, that's, you know, pretty much their only thing that they have going right now. Yeah, their offensive situation is almost similar to the Ravens in that, uh, you know, Cooper, I think he, he has games still. I think Amari Cooper's a good player. Um, Peoples Jones was somebody I liked in the draft process. Bell was all right. Uh, Felton, we all liked in the draft process last year. Schwartz, I think they have some young guys there that could break out or provide production, but they're unproven, similar to what the Ravens are experiencing. But the big difference, in my opinion, is that we have Mark Andrews and they have David Njoku. And though David Njoku is making similar money, they're not the same player. And despite his measurables, he hasn't really shown uh, the consistency necessary to be a dependable target. Maybe that comes in his sixth year, but I doubt it. And I just 
think that's where this whole offensive strategy kind of falls apart is that I think they are maybe a weapon away from from true dominance even if you had Watson in there I think they're going to be a step below a lot of the other offenses in the league and I don't know if that's going to be good enough I don't think their defense is necessarily good enough to make them rise above and you know even if I'm painting the rosiest picture for the Browns I'm not sure they're a contender maybe they'll make the playoffs but I don't think they I don't think they go deep right so that's where I'm at with them they're interesting, you know, and I think we'll, we'll go, it'll become clear as we talk about the other teams, but, you know, all four of these teams last year finished with at least eight wins, um, you know, and I think that Cleveland has a lot of talent in certain positions. We haven't talked about their second, their cornerback room or their uh, defensive line yet. There's a lot of talent there. Their offensive line has been a huge strength over the past few years, but there are some issues there. And we'll talk about that. They possibly have the best, you know, the most balanced running back room in the, in the league, the deepest, but from how many of these guys can consistently stretch the field and and make a 50-yard play. Cooper has some of that in him. He is getting a little older. Chubb can do that, but he's more of a of a grinder. You know, he's not always going to be that electrifying guy. I, you're looking at an offense that uh, is going to be doing a lot of ball control and doesn't have a huge amount of explosiveness even with even if Watson is back this year. Yeah, so you know, but they do have things that they can hold their hat on. Um, again, we talk about the offensive line. They've had one of the best in the league over the past couple of seasons, and they still have Wyatt Teller there. Uh, they still have Betonio. Without question, one of the top, if not the top, guard pairings in the NFL. Um, but outside of that, it gets a little dicier. Uh, they have Conklin on the right tackle side. They really like that guy, but he's struggled with injuries. Um, he came back. I mean, we saw how brutal that can be for their line when he's out in that Sunday night game last year. You know, the once he went out, uh, OA and, and whoever was lined up on the right side w- was having an easy time against their replacement, whose name is um, escaping me at the moment. I'm not sure if he's still with the team. And then at left tackle, they drafted Wills uh, two years ago. And the fan base is kind of split on him at the moment. Um, Guys either say that he's showing a lot of promise, but, um, you know, just last year he had an ankle injury that robbed him of, of his raw athleticism. Um, other guys say, like, you know, he's solid, but it makes too many mistakes uh, to really be counted on. So um, he's a guy with a lot of potential, but one that, that Browns are definitely trying to see more of. And then at the center position, they let go of veteran J.C. Treader uh, for cap savings and replaced him with, uh, Nick Harris, a guy we were looking at at 2020 as a possible late round guy the Ravens could take at center. Um, obviously, they didn't go that way. They went, um, I guess you could say Bredersen was someone they took instead, even though he's interior not, rather than center. But yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting gamble for them. They're putting a lot of faith in a, in a young guy uh, who's undersized for a center, which can work, but obviously we know that <laughs> That's not always ideal. Um, and the letting go of Treader was a little bit surprising to me. Looking into it, it sounds like the guy has struggled a lot with injuries. He was, wasn't was practicing last year. That's another reason why the Browns feel that it'll be a smooth transition to Harris. Harris was the basically the center for the Browns last year, except for on game day. That's when Treader would come in and do his thing. So I think that's definitely something to, to keep an eye on with the Browns is that they still have a good base here with the offensive line, but there's some some moves and some moving parts here uh, that could be a cause for concern, especially for a team that, that wants to run the ball as much as they're going to want to. Yeah, I do think that their offensive line has some really solid qualities, but I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, I think at the end of the day, we're going to see an offense that can be pretty balanced. Um I just don't know if if it's going to be enough for their offense to really succeed. I'm just I'm just concerned about it. I think uh, it would be interesting if JC Trader came back. I think that elevates them, and uh, then it would be a little bit different of a picture. So 
We'll see. Yeah, I don't think he is. Um, I, I did do a little bit of poking around on that, and uh, it sounds like the Browns are, are not interested in that um, or Shredders. There's a disconnect between the two sides. It was it was kind of hard to tell um, who which of the two sides wanted to move on, but that seems to be a door that's closed. They're going with Harris, or they're going to go with someone who's cut if if Harris has a bad camp or a bad preseason, um, at least from what I could tell from what I saw today. Well, moving on to the defensive side of the ball, um, defensive line, obviously, you, you mentioned it earlier, Peter, um, definitely one of their deeper position groups on the Browns. Um, Miles Garrett, obviously the star player on the Browns. He's, he's going to be there. Um, they brought back Clowney as well. So he's going to be a force. You know, one guy that, uh, you know, Alec, you might want to speak to, but Perrion Winfrey was uh, one of the defensive linemen that they uh, drafted this past year. Um, he's a guy who definitely could contribute um, and be an impact player for him. But uh, overall, a very deep group and, you know, uh, a position group that I think Ravens fans are going to remember, uh, regardless of who's playing quarterback for the Browns, I think their uh, defensive line is going to give our offensive line some trouble. Yeah, Perrymon Winfrey was a player I was definitely interested in uh, coming out of the draft. We know that he had um, a lot of increase in stock due to the, his senior bowl performance. He won the game MVP, and uh, he's just a long athletic player with a lot of energy. So, you know, hopefully my draft evaluation on him was all wrong. He's terrible, and we never have to worry about him as a Ravens fan. But, you know, similar to other players that have been stolen from us and we'll talk about, later on that we were really high on in the draft that we'll have to play twice a year for the foreseeable future. Um, sometimes we are right and it's just a pain in our side. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Alex Highsmith comes to mind of like, oh yeah, he's been a solid contributor for them. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I definitely think this uh, defense, uh, you know, they're definitely a solid group. Um, they could be one of the top defenses in the league. It just matters how the, you know, injuries fall and and how their performances uh, continue to grow i do think their uh interior positions uh having lost players perry on is going to have to step up because otherwise there's a huge um kind of hole in their defense right so we'll see how that shakes out i don't think perry is going to be a player that uh comes onto the scene year one and is is truly dominant i do think he'll take time i'm sure he could have flashes if he's on the good side of a, a career but I don't expect a defensive lineman like himself to be able to come in year one and make a giant or <laughs> and make a big impact. I thought I'd say gigantic and dynamic and then it's said gigantic, gigantic, Nice work. Yeah. Oh, Tongue tied tonight. Trying to think, is this like, is this like Godzilla doing the disco? It's gigantic. It's <laughs> <laughs> dynamic (laughs) oh man oh boy today's episode is brought to you by the word of the day (laughs) dynamic you can tell i've been watching too much sesame street with a toddler anyways um so yeah i mean this interior defensive line for the browns um this is the second year in a row that they're doing a complete turnover uh both the starters from last year not returning uh, Perrion Winfrey is certainly going to get a crack on it, but he is a rookie. Uh, they brought in some other guys, uh, vets, uh, Taven Bryan, uh, from Jacksonville, uh, f- former late round, first round pick for the Jags in 2018, who just never really found his stride there. Browns are taking a, a swing on him and see if they can get anything out of him. Um, they also have Jordan Elliott there, who is a third round pick of 2020, who's been, Shown some flashes. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to have a, a battle here. This is going to be a battle for them to be watching and friends for to be watching in training camp and in preseason to see who's going to be the guys who are manning the interior. And, yeah, we'll see if they have two guys there who become out clear starters or if they run a committee, uh, which seems like it'll be more likely given the kind of interchangeability of these guys. But, yeah, it's definitely a position group that Browns are – trying to figure out a uh, group they have a little better handle on is uh the linebacker position so they had anthony walker come in uh i believe last year was his first season in cleveland yeah he came over from the colts um had 113 tackles uh was a leader on this defense club 
house guy. Um, now, the Browns did draft uh, two years ago, right before Malik Harrison, Jacob Phillips. He's a guy that the Browns are going to try and groom to be the replacement in the interior. But like Willis, uh, hasn't shown terribly much at the NFL level to date. Um, and Anthony Walker really isn't that old at 26. So we'll see what the Browns do there. I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if Walker holds on to that job. Uh, and then they still have Taki Taki there and uh, Jermaine Awusu Koromoa, I believe, uh, yep. second round pick from Notre Dame last year. He had a strong rookie season for the Browns. So solid group here for the Browns. Um, like I said, there's a question here as to whether or not Walker will hold on to his starting job, but um, overall, very solid unit. Good old JOK. Yeah, he's going to be a player to watch out for in his second season. Uh, definitely. They, he's commonly called the Lamar Jackson killer. I'm sorry, no one kills Lamar Jackson, but uh, yeah, he's pretty good. He's he's the closest thing. I was going to mention that. Like I I really <laughs> I was really upset when I heard the Browns drafted him. Um, he was a guy who fell in last year's draft. You know, he's a little bit undersized and, you know, but a very fast linebacker. I, I just knew when they drafted him that he was going to be a thorn in our side. And of course, he's the one who hurt Lamar's ankle near the end of the season, uh, which, you know, didn't help the the name kind of solidified it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he, he's a guy who can definitely make plays. Um, he's got the speed to kind of be all over the field and he, can be a weapon to kind of neutralize Lamar's running ability. So yeah, out of everybody in the group here, um, I remember being high on Anthony Walker when he was with the Colts. Um, he is a pretty good player, but I think JOK, he's like he's the wild card in my opinion. Definitely, yeah. Uh, and then to round off the the defense, um, cornerback group um, extremely strong. Uh, you know, you've got yeah, you got Denzel Ward there, um, who's just a star cornerback. Uh, picked off Joe Burrow, took it 99 yards to the house last year. Uh, all-around playmaker. Uh, Newsom had a, a very fine rookie season for the Browns as well. Uh, they Their rookie class with, with Newsom and JOK looked very good last year. And uh, Greedy Williams um, also had a strong season and... I know they made some moves in the draft too. So cornerback group is extremely solid uh, for this t- team. Uh, Safety is a little shakier. Uh, Ronnie Harrison and John Johnson had some ups and downs last year, uh, but Browns players, excuse me, the Browns fan base uh, is high on these guys. I think with another year of seasoning in this defense, they'll be better. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, overall the Browns, you know, there's a lot to like on their roster but they do have some some definite holes, and uh, mix that in with the questions around quarterback position. I'd be surprised if this team finishes higher than third in the division, and I think you guys feel similarly to me on that point. Yeah, I mean, uh, it certainly could happen. I mean, their their quarterback instability, I think, is the primary one for that. But um, well, we'll talk about them soon. But the Bengals and the Steelers both have made quite a few moves, so I think they're gonna be a force i think this year i mean heck i mean even this past year i mean the Bengals got first place but they were only two games above us and we were last so um it's a pretty tight race i kind of expect that to be the same next year all right well next up i got the steelers so um we'll start off on the offensive side of the ball um obviously the big news guys if you hadn't heard it uh big ben he retired finally what they do about that (laughs) he's, he's, he's been talking about that for like you know 10 years 12 years um finally happened but yeah he somehow like still makes the news from you know whatever you know outtakes or something that he's you know leaving to the news or something i I don't know you you must love to be in the spotlight i guess um but yeah so i mean that's uh, you know like the browns that's obviously i think that's a big uh big thing who's gonna replace big ben uh they brought in mitchell trubisky um that was short-lived because then they draft kenny pickett from pitt uh, so, you know, I think everybody's kind of expecting him to eventually be the guy, including myself, uh, my dynasty league. But it also could be uh, Chris Olatakun. Uh He's drafted in the seventh round as well. So, yeah, the Steelers have a lot of new quarterbacks, um, guys who haven't been in the system. So I fully expect there to be an open competition and training camp between all those guys. And, you know, next couple of weeks, we'll be hearing more out of their camp to see who has the upper hand. But I certainly think that the Ravens are going to 
play Pickett eventually, if if not this season, shortly thereafter. Yeah, the quarterback situation will be interesting to watch with Pittsburgh. Um, poking around on Steelers podcasts and and websites, the fan base overall seems very convinced that Trubisky or Rudolph, but most likely Trubisky because of his contract, will be the initial starter and the starter for most of the season because uh, historically the Steelers don't like to throw um, rookies into the fire uh, very early. Now, what's interesting is that's kind of changed recently um, with some of the defensive players they've, they've drafted. Watt and others uh, have been thrown in very early on. But, you know, when, when we're looking at the quarterback, the Steelers haven't been in this position since 2004. Um, Roethlisberger got thrown into the fire on week two, but that was because Tommy Maddox got got hurt by Adelius Thomas, if I'm not mistaken. They just didn't look back from there because despite losing to the Ravens that day, they just kept winning until the Patriots beat him in the AFC Championship, and then we know what happened after that. So, yeah, I, it'll be interesting. You know, Pickett, he's an older guy for a rookie, and you have to think that the Steelers know this guy pretty well considering he played in their stadium uh, for his college career. So I would not be shocked to see Pickett win the job outright, but at the same time, Tomlin does also seem like a guy like who's, who's going to make, you know, he's not going to play Pickett until the guy's really earned it. He's not going to hand anything to Pickett, and I don't think he's going to let Pickett uh, win the job with mistakes. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, another quarterback situation that's up in the air in the AFC North, but for very different reasons. Here's, here's a maybe bold prediction or some kind of uh, contrarian take. I would not be surprised at all if the Steelers find themselves in a – uh, situation with Trubisky similar to the 49ers where maybe he plays above expectation and they don't know when to bring in the kid and then they get themselves into a little bit of a pickle and uh, yeah we'll see like the, maybe the fan base will be calling for Pickett because you know Trubisky in the scenario isn't you know a world changer but he is playing good enough and uh, the defense is playing well and they got some weapons around them like they're winning some games right so I could see that happening to them and it being a little bit of a, a purgatory with their quarterback situation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've talked about it before, how the Steelers are really one of the very few franchises, maybe the only franchise who in this new decade of offensive explosion can win and make the playoffs without a quarterback. You know, I could totally see that happening. And Trubisky, a lot of people are writing him off, myself included, but we also have to remember, you know, this guy had no one in Chicago outside of Allen Robinson uh, as, as a legitimate target. Now he's going to, to Pittsburgh. They've got Deontay Johnson, uh, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris catching balls out of the backfield. Claypool, obviously, they drafted Pickens and, and Austin. You know, maybe a better supporting cast will bring out a slightly better Trubisky. Um, and, yeah, it could get interesting. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's a really... Really good take. I could totally see that happening. For sure. I know um, I, he was in Buffalo last year, and I think uh, a lot of the players there seem to really like him and think that he could get another shot. Yeah, he definitely was not helped out by, um, I don't remember, what the what was the name of the coach? Um, in the Bears? Chicago. Was that, was that yeah, Matt Nagy? Yeah, Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy was not a uh, a great fit for him, I think. But yeah, over in Buffalo, I think sitting behind Josh Allen, I think people were really like, oh yeah, he's got some talent. Like he could he could play again for sure. But yeah, I mean, for sure, I, I do think, um, you know, I think overall, I do think the Steelers are a little bit stronger um, on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, we can get into it now, but uh, Najee Harris, obviously, I think is, you know, one of the big guys, uh, you know, especially from a fantasy perspective. He's going to be the guy who's going to get tons and tons and tons of carries. You know, I think Steelers fans are, you know, rightfully so excited for him. Uh, last year, he had a lot of carries, but um, I believe he was under four yards a carry uh, overall for the season. So, not, you know, not the best uh, uh, statistics overall, but he certainly showed that he can carry the workload, uh, kind of being the uh, primary bell cow. Um, so, he's going to be there, and he's definitely going to contribute a lot. Um, one of the more interesting things I think is that this season is that they really seem to turn over the wide receiver room. 
And so the first thing was uh, they actually hired a new wide receiver coach as well. Um, so that was the first thing. Uh, drafted rookie George Pickens out of Georgia. Everybody here wanted him. Unfortunately, he made it to our arch enemy. I tell you what, guys, I'm going to be really sad if, if on Sunday I see him push over Marlon Humphrey on a run play. That's going to be just <laughs> the worst. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they brought in Pickens. Uh, I think it's going to be a good fit to kind of pair him with Deontay and Claypool. Um, and then they also brought in Calvin Austin, uh, again, another wide receiver that the Ravens were going to target in the fourth round. Um, and obviously picked up Miles Boykin as well. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago uh, at this point. Um, they picked him up off waivers uh, to join his buddy uh, Claypool over in uh, Steeltown. So, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, there's some question marks, I think, moving forward as to who the Steelers are going to resign, but they have a lot of young talent there um, and a lot of uh, players to get excited about. So, um, I mean, if you pair them with a, you know, this new wide receiver coach that's coming in, I could definitely see them doing a little bit of damage there. Uh, Pittsburgh has, has been a, a team that has historically, you know, drafted well and developed wide receivers well overall. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they have a lot of raw talent here for sure. This is one of the most exciting young wide receiver uh, groups in the league, and there are several. So I think this is definitely a big part of their offense uh, and it'll come down to this quarterback situation. Are they going to be able to be fed adequately? I think Deontay Johnson will have a good season this year. And uh, even if he's on a Steelers uniform in the future, I think that he, you know, he's there this year and I think he'll, he'll be able to contribute. Uh, and, and like you said, man, with, I mean, I, I liked Claypool um, and what I saw out of him. I mean, obviously I loved Pickens. Uh, I'm not crazy about Austin. I'm not like too worried about him. I think Miles Boykin is what he is, but uh, it's still a really good wide receiving group. And then if you go a little bit further, you got their uh, tight end, Pat Firemuth, who is essentially a pass catcher. Um, That was my big knock on him in the draft process is that I was like, well, he doesn't really provide that much in the blocking game. So if you want your wide receiver, like, okay, he's, he can do that. And uh, he showed that last year in his rookie season, a lot of touchdowns probably won't have that many this year, but uh, he definitely was a big part of it. Oh, man, I was waiting for Alec Polianis, no Najee Harris uh, denier to pop up here. The greatest way to disrespect a man is not to talk to him at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I I am intrigued to see what Najee Harris does in year two. I, I am with Chris. I think he had a good rookie year. We are split two to one on that opinion here. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Deontay Johnson is going to have a great year as well. I've, I've seen some takes where people say that, that he benefited the most from Ben, um, and that this quarterback room isn't going to be able to have the timing, uh, that will really pair best with his skill set. You know, maybe that's true, but he, he's a guy who has a lot of talent. I certainly can see him. Maybe he takes a step back, but he's going to have success in this league uh, either as Trubisky or, or Pickett develops in this offense or or as he goes to somewhere else. So, yeah, I think I think Steelers fans should feel just fine about Johnson for this season. Um, and, yeah, Firemuth is really interesting. He had a strong rookie season, uh, kind of overshadowed by uh, Kyle Pitt's record-breaking year. But, you know, 60 catches, 497 yards, and seven touchdowns. Uh, pretty good for a rookie tight end. Uh, he's he's going to be good for a while uh, if he continues on that progression. And yeah, some good good picks in the draft. So yeah, very solid group here. O's win. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> they had two double plays where they, they um, almost converted them and they, each time was a, a buzzer beater, so to speak, at the bag and uh, was only a single play, and, but they got it. Nice. It's good to have some good baseball too. Uh, anyways, sorry for that. Had to say it. <laughs> Man, we got to celebrate this good baseball. We haven't had good baseball forever. <laughs> <laughs> and we're recording on the 26th in case anyone's wondering. Orioles win <laughs> five to three. <laughs> the last time the Orioles were good, people actually believed Big Ben was retiring when he said it before a season started. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to tie it back, Peter. <laughs> 
Well, now, man, now I hate to do this, but we should probably talk about the Steelers again. Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 All right. No, um, I, I did want to get to actually one, one other point. So I know, um, you know, we've talked about, obviously, you know, the Steelers and the Browns, I think, being in a little bit of a similar situation with their quarterback uh, questions. But I think one place where they differ uh, pretty significantly is the Steelers, I think, are a lot weaker on the offensive line. And I don't think they did a ton this year to kind of shore it up. Uh, so they did bring in two free agents this year, uh, kind of under the radar signings. Um, so they brought James Daniels, who's a guard from Chicago. He's a second round pick. He played a little bit of left guard center. I think they're projecting him to be maybe their starting right guard over in Pittsburgh. Uh, and then they also brought in Mason Cole, who's a center from Arizona. He was a starter his rookie year and kind of a backup uh, for a little bit until he was traded to Minnesota, I believe, last year. So I think he's being slotted in. If not a starter at center, he's definitely going to be competing for that position. So, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously I think with losing some guys, like this is a couple of years ago, um, David DeCastro retired. Um, you know, they have a couple of guys on there. Uh, Okora 4, I think, is the right tackle. He's pretty good. Uh, but other than that, I don't know if a lot of the guys that they have are, you know, quality starter material. So, you know, I do think that's kind of a big weakness for them. Um, but we'll have to see. I mean, you know, some of these guys, you know, might be reliable starters for them. But uh, it's it's definitely a big question mark. And, and I don't think that they did much in the draft to address these position groups either. Yeah, it's really interesting to see the, the Steelers. They've had such a good offensive line for so long um, and have been able to replace guys um, when another guy retired or, or was a cap casualty. And to see them in the state that they are with the offensive line is um, surprising, to say the least. Um, you know, it's almost like as surprising as that that period between, what was it, 2014 and 2017, when the Ravens had no running backs, a team that was, that was known for always finding running backs. Um, but yeah, it, it's, a, it's a dry spell they're going through. Um, I agree. I think they should have done more this offseason to, to fix it, but... That's where they're they are right now, and it's something that the Ravens defense is going to look to exploit um, this coming season. Moving on the defensive side of the ball, um, one of the things I think that really intrigued me uh, this off season was uh, they overhauled a lot of their uh, you know coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball. So um, their coordinator Keith Butler, quote unquote, retired. Um, I think it's similar to kind of a, the Dean P situation where the fan base kind of wanted him out. Uh, he was kind of underperforming a little bit and he was a little bit older. Um, so I think the organization may have asked him to kind of step down. So he, so he's gone, um, was replaced by a familiar name. Some Ravens fans may know him, uh, Terrell Austin. Uh, I think he was a defensive backs coach for the Ravens. Gosh, maybe like 10 years ago. Um, he's bounced around the league a little bit. I think he was a defensive coordinator for the lions at some point and a couple other teams, uh, but now he's over in Pittsburgh. Um, and as well, you know, it's it's been a crazy offseason. I think there's a lot of, like, stuff coming up, uh, especially with the Browns. But um, if we all forget the uh, Miami-Brian Flores um, situation a few months ago, um, I think it was pretty surprising that the Steelers offered him a job. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin, I thought, you know, kind of stuck his neck out a little bit to uh, offer him a – uh, a job on his coaching staff. So he is a um, defensive assistant, also linebackers coach. Uh, to be honest, I'm pretty scared. Um, I remember really liking Terrell Austin back in the day for the Ravens. Um, I think he's a pretty good coach. Um, Brian Flores, I think, is, you know, maybe not head coach material. I know he had, you know, depending on, you know, kind of how the news is and what's the truth out of Miami, you know, he might not have been like the best um, people's coach, but he certainly is a good defensive mind. And I think combining uh, both those guys together on the same staff, um, I would watch out. I think uh, it could be a, a good recipe for success for them. Yeah, you definitely got some good defensive minds there. I definitely think, like you said, Brian Flores is going to be a, a good contributor for them. Uh, obviously not the, the whole uh, coordinator per se, but he is um, going to be involved and in, in helping develop those linebackers who have a, a pretty good – uh, ceiling that they need to realize so we'll see if they're able to contribute um, and really up their game this year yeah to me I mean this seems like a move to try and maximize uh, Devin Bush 
you know, one of the things I mentioned kind of later down, I can bring it up now, was that the Steelers, um, so they declined this fifth-year option. Um, you know, honestly, it you know, the first couple of years, it seems kind of a very similar trajectory right now to Patrick Queen. Um, you know, we, we still, you know, we hope that he can kind of make that next step. But um, in terms of being like, you know, high draft pick, um, maybe not living up to that expectations, um, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more so for Bush. But uh, yeah, I mean, this being kind of his last year, I think uh, if Flores can get a lot out of him, I think there might be a chance to kind of bring him back uh, like they did with, uh, you know, fellow uh uh, draft pick uh, the year before, actually, Terrell Edmonds, safety. Uh, he was another player, actually, that the Steelers did not pick up his fifth-year option. Um, but he, he is actually back this year. Uh, they extended him a contract for uh, a year. So it's you know like he had a fifth-year contract, just, I'm sure, for less money. But, yeah, I, I do think, you know, maybe, you know, the Steelers fans, I think, might think that some of their high draft picks, aside from uh, T.J. Watt on the defensive side of the ball – been a little bit underperforming uh, they, you know they've been okay players but they haven't really been the impact players that you know fans are used to and you know back in you know the mid 2000s like you know late 2000s a lot of the you know sort of big uh, you know defensive players they really haven't had as many of those so um, you know I, I think if if you know this coaching staff can really bring a lot out of those guys I think um, I, I think that could be really really scary for sure. I guess it's worth talking about some of the new players they've brought in. Um, Larry Ogunjobi is coming in for defensive tackle and uh, kind of replacing Stefan Tua, who decided to retire. Ogunjobi, Ravens fans should be familiar with since he's played with the Bengals and the Browns. Uh, so making his uh, third stop in the AFC North. And I think, you know, with the addition of those players, that um, they'll definitely be, a, a, you know, maybe a more improved uh, team in that little area. Yeah, I think, um, you know, in addition to, to those guys, um, Levi Wallace, I think, is probably their biggest free agent that they brought in, a uh, cornerback from Buffalo. He's going to pair pretty well with uh, Cam Sutton and uh, Witherspoon on, on the outside. I think he was a great pickup. And then as well, uh, Miles Jack. Um, I, I feel like we've gone through a whole offseason now of just players that, you know, we're really, really psyched for, and then we just, you know, don't win on the sweepstakes. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I wanted Miles Jack for probably like a couple hours until I learned he signed the Steelers. And I was like, yeah, he's dead to me. Uh, <laughs> we, had to re, we had to relive that today with Julio Jones. So, But yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think those are some good pickups. Jack in particular, I think, um, you know, could be a good impact player for them. Um, if, if I had to guess, I think he would be one of those guys of, um, you know, if you had to start, I think he could. Um, I do think that, you know, Again, kind of going back to the coaching changes that have been done, I think pairing um, a lot of these new coaches with a vet like Miles Jack, I think that could be really good for some of their younger players to kind of establish a culture. Um, you know, one of the things that you know the Steelers have not done so well over the last couple of years is stop the run. They've been really, really bad at it. Um, and so, I, you know, I, I would have to think, you know, from the Steelers org that, you know, they want to change that. They want to get back to doing that because that's something that, like the Ravens, they pride themselves on. Uh, So I definitely think that uh, a guy like Jack, I think, can help contribute there. It's really interesting. It's it's like the rest of the AFC North didn't learn the Ravens, uh, the lesson the Ravens had to learn last year of, you know, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They might be bad, but it's it's not that they're not developing the players. The players just aren't good. You know, (laughs) the Browns are bringing in Dakota Allen and, and Taven Bryan, and then now the Steelers are bringing in Miles Jack. And, you know, I say that in jest. Maybe a change of scenery will unlock these guys. Um, Miles Jack is uh, a guy that we were interested in uh, when he was coming out for the Ravens. Gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on which draft that was and who the Ravens got instead. Was it 2016? Maybe? He was a second round pick, I think. He was a second round pick in 2016. There you go. 2016, yeah. 36 pick in the draft. Who did we draft after Humphrey? Was it uh, Kafusi? Oh, yeah. That was our second round pick. I was just trying to think like, yeah. who we drafted in the second round. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, Correa. So if oh Correa, okay, that would if make the sense. Jaguars had, yeah, and Correa was the next. Sorry, no. Okay, so the Jaguars took Miles Jack with the thirty-six pick. Then Buffalo took Reggie Ragland with the forty-first pick uh, from I Bama. Didn't do much. Yeah. So maybe the Ravens were interested in Jack, but he didn't fall to the Ravens. And, and thankfully the Ravens did not draft him where they drafted Humphrey. Although I don't think Jack was projected to go that high. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the Steelers, it, it is interesting, these moves. I, I agree these moves definitely have a chance to revitalize uh, this defense that is, is usually one of the scarier ones in the league. But last year, gosh, they were dead last in rushing defense last year. And we saw Devonta Freeman and Latavius Murray looked like they hopped in a time machine in the two games <laughs> <laughs> that the Ravens played against them. But... Yeah, it's 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 really interesting because like you look at these moves and you, and they just don't look like Pittsburgh Steelers defensive moves. But again, you know, new coaching staff. Maybe they're just bringing in the guys that that fit the mold they want. And they look at these guys and they're like, okay, these guys are misused in these other places, but but they fit what we want to do. We see how we want to coach them and how they can fit into what we want to do here. Um, and I have to believe that's what they're doing. Um, I'll I'll say I remain skeptical, but. Um, you know, they're the Steelers. We may not like them, but you got to have great respect for that organization. So they certainly have a plan. We'll just see if it's good enough for them to, to compete with the Ravens and Bengals for the top of the division. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. I think with, you know, picking Pickett and Pickens with their first two picks, um, you know, it seems almost like a Bengals situation, although, you know, 20, 30 picks down from where they were when they drafted Burrow and uh, Higgins <laughs> that one off season. Yeah. Um, they kind of had to establish that because of all the uncertainty at the quarterback room. So um, beyond that, I mean, they couldn't spend that much draft capital in other areas. So um, they did draft um, defensive end DeMarvin Leal, uh, I think a couple picks after the Ravens took Travis Jones. So I think they're excited about him. He might play a little bit defensive tackle, defensive end. Um, it seems like he kind of has the body type to be able to play both. Um, so, you know, he could, you know, I, I think, you know, like you said earlier, Alec, I think with uh, Winfrey, it might take him a little bit longer to kind of develop, but, um, you know, he can play behind guys like, you know, Cam Hayward and uh, Chris Wormley and some of those guys. Um, but yeah, um, you know, overall, you know, I, I, I guess I kind of take exception to that a little bit, Peter, because I know the, the Steelers are kind of like the Ravens that they don't love to spend a lot of big money on, on in free agency. I think that's kind of their MO too. So, you know, from from that perspective, I don't think this is too out of the ordinary. But I mean, certainly, you know, I think they they have they had many holes, I think, with with Ben retiring kind of being in this weird purgatory and I think they just kind of had to try and address some holes and maybe leave some other ones. Um I mean, they still look they're going to have a good defense, I think especially if, if T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, if those guys are able to stay, stay healthy, um, Cam Sutton um, as well, like if, if those guys are able to stay, stay healthy, I think that's a really good core that they can build off of. So, I mean, even if they don't get a ton out of some of these new players that they brought in, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, I think, you know, they'll, they'll still be a competitive team. Tomlin's going to, you know, ensure of that. Yeah, I like to say with DeMarvin Leal, I think it will be at least a year for him to produce at uh, much of a level because I think one of the big things you'll notice with him is he lacks some of the strength to play with proper uh, you know, leverage and you can catch him upright. So I think it'll take him a year in the weight room and you know, just developing to really be a force in the NFL. Um, but even still, I think he might be more of a two-down player not really uh, have the juice that a guy like Travis Jones has. So I'm, I'm really excited the Ravens got Jones over, over Leal. I would have been disappointed with the Leal pick, um, whereas Jones I, I'm excited about. All right, Alec, your moment has arrived. Tee us up. <laughs> All right, well, after that, uh, we got one team left, the Super Bowl losing Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> and uh, I'm not trying to say that as a, as a way to crack a joke. Sure <laughs> you're not. Chris is cracking up. And I'm over here like, I just, you know, the Bengals had a really nice season. You could have said year. defending AFC champion Bengals. Uh, finally won a playoff game in our lifetime Bengals. You know, there's, there's you know, <laughs> at, that's totally fair. And I, and I should have. And maybe I should, I, I should restart the whole take because I want to bring respect to this team. I, I didn't. I'm not trying to belittle them at all. Uh, I honestly couldn't remember the words. This <laughs> is so AFC champion. I was like, "What are what's the the runner ups in the Super Bowl?" That's not that's not anything. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, the Bengals. You know, we talked about it last year in the state of division that we could see how they would be a team that could really grow and do well this that year if everything went right and everything did go right. Um, and they had a tremendous season. Um, and the thing that's crazy is that they really geared up to do it all over again and maybe at a higher level because 
They still have Burrow in the rookie contract. They have a lot of their weapons and a lot of their good players are young. They had a lot of money to spend. So how'd they do it? Right. They went ahead and they got Hayden Hurst, first round draft pick by a team called the Ravens. And, uh, you know, he's a tight end. I think that has a lot of potential. And we saw how well CJ Uzama played with, um, Burrow last year. And I think Hurst is just a better player. So I could see Hurst having a pretty darn good year playing with Burrow. So that kind of scares me as a Ravens fan. And the big thing that held back the Bengals last year was their offensive line. You know, we joked that they skipped on their offensive line to go get Chase, and it seemed like that did work out quite well for them. But now they do have the offensive line. They went and bought uh, Leo Collins, offensive tackle from the Cowboys, uh, Alex Kappa, guard from the Bucks, and Ted Karras from the Dolphins, previously the Patriots, you might know him from, because they only had one year of the Dolphins. So that's a total overhaul. It's three of the five starters. And then they drafted interior lineman as well with um cordell volson so he'll be uh battling for the left guard spot um against jackson carmen and deontay smith so total overhaul of the offensive line and that's just the start of it yeah uh you you gotta love what the Bengals have done in two years uh, whether or not you personally like the Bengals or not you gotta respect you gotta respect what they've done um this this franchise was just in the toilet in 2019. Uh, Lamar Jackson was running all over them. I mean, same thing with end of 2020 as well. But they they got the weapons around Burrow, and now they've got his his protection. They've got his secret service there to keep him upright. Uh, so the Bengals, you could make the argument and look at them last year and say like, okay. In each of their playoff games to get to the Super Bowl, they didn't win any of those games by by a touchdown. So, um, you know, they didn't blow the AFC over to get to the Super Bowl. But like we're saying, they improved. So, you know, even if they did get a little bit of uh, luck, um, that could be due for some regression uh, by the Pythagorean, they still have retooled in order to combat that well. Um, I agree. Hayden Hurst, uh, obviously we're biased, but he, he could offer, uh, another dimension to this offense. Uh, CJ Uzoma last year, uh, 49 catches, 493 yards and five touchdowns. The guy's not a receiving tight end. Uh, it was by far the best season of his career. Um, okay. Well, maybe not by far. He did have 439 and three in 2018 but still Hurst has more talent from a receiving perspective blocker Uzama is probably better but you know that's another legitimate receiving target he'll have uh Chase was just astounding his rookie year who knows how what his ceiling will be for next season of course you still got Higgins and Boyd you know there's a lot of weapons here and you know it's really good that the Ravens made the secondary moves that they did this offseason because uh, there's really no reason to believe that this Bengals offense is going to to slow down, especially with the solidifying of the offensive line. Well, speaking of solidifying secondaries, I think, you know, for me, that's one of the big things that the Bengals did this offseason is that they went out and with their first two picks drafted Dax Hill, safety out of Michigan, and Cam Taylor Britt, cornerback out of Nebraska. I know, um, you know, our, our Jason from Huddle Up Films, very high on Dax Hill. It was a guy that he wanted the Ravens to target. Um, Cam Taylor Britt, again, one of the corners that we had kind of identified in our draft preview episodes. Uh, you know, I think these guys are, you know, have the potential to be really, really good uh, players on their defense. Um, and, you know, like we saw at the end of the season for them last year, I think their secondary was playing extremely well. Adding more players into that, I think, kind of, you know, really uh, makes them better overall. Um, instead of getting hot near the end of the year, I think that they can be a lot better throughout the whole season. I was really frustrated during the draft. I saw them take these guys. I was like, man, it's a really good uh, choice for them to be able to go out and solidify those groups. Yeah, and their safety group is not bad. So it's kind of a monkey see, monkey do situation here in the AFC North. You got them getting Dax Hill, who they project to be the nickel cornerback or third safety playing alongside of Bates and Von Bell. So they're going to have a pretty dynamic defense. Like we've been talking about all season with ours. Like they have the option of these three safety sets. That's going to be good. Cam Taylor Britt, 
He um, has a lot of athleticism and a good frame uh, to play outside cornerback. He'll be battling Eli Burnt Apple Crisp for the starting job <laughs> and, uh, you know, playing opposite of a Wuze. So I think that's a big upgrade to their secondary. And at worst, it provides depth. And at best, it provides better play. And I think you'll see both um, this year. I think Dax Hill is a player that's, uh, you know, Justice Hill's brother. <laughs> has a lot of athleticism, um, was a part of that Michigan defense. And I do think that he'll be a a solid player in this league. Yeah. And you know, the offensive line was the biggest weakness of this team last year. And the the secondary was, was the second, particularly the cornerbacks. So again, we're seeing this team look at what they needed to improve on and, and they did it. They, they've got, uh, replacement players here. That's like you said, at worst, it's going to be solid. Um, now, it will be interesting to see what happens with, with Jesse Bates and, and the franchise tag there. I would imagine that the team would be able to convince him to, to, to buy in for one more season. Um, you know, you, you guys just made the Super Bowl. You improved. Uh, it seems like it would be a great situation for him, but, you know, we'll see what he does there. But like I said, if if they need to trade him because he's just not going to go along with that, that's that's where the addition of, of Hill becomes even even more important. I'd be surprised if it came to that with uh, Bates. The date that he has to make a decision by is November 15th. Otherwise, he forfeits the season. But um, I do think that I think he'll play. I would be surprised if he missed week one, honestly. I guess I'll maybe round out the defensive backfield. They also drafted later on Tyson Anderson. He also is another athletic specimen. Uh, big frame, fast, 40. And he played all over the field on Toledo, similar to how Stevens played. Uh, they project him to be another safety. So that's four safeties that we could see uh, them deploy on on Sundays. I guess I'd maybe jump back to the offense. I want to talk about the fact that they haven't regressed, like we said. You still have Burrow um, passing the ball. He'll be missing a little bit of camp because he got his appendix removed, but I'm not worried about that at all. He still has all the chemistry in the world with Chase T. Higgins, I think, is a great player, a total steal for them when they drafted him. And Boyd's still there. I mean, obviously a year older, but uh, I think he's still an underrated player in the league. And then you add in Hurst. I think that's a, it's a really good set of weapons for them. And they also have, you know, Joe Mixon, solid running back, and Chris Evans, the backup, who's really fast. And, and a lot of fans are really high on him. Um, and they think that he could contribute even more in the passing game, maybe be the third down back, maybe be just a wide receiver sometimes, like split out wide. So we'll see how they try to deploy him and if he becomes more of a weapon this year in his second year. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, it's it's scary for Ravens fans. It's This offense is scary. There's no other way you can put it. You even look at last year, um, there was a bit of a slump for this Bengals team around uh, in November after – you know, they, they were riding high after they crushed the Ravens in the end of October and then lost a close one to the Jets and got rolled over by the Browns. Um, but, you know, they picked themselves right back up, uh, beat Vegas and Pittsburgh big, uh, got crushed by the Chargers, and then a close loss in San Francisco and then just didn't look back after that. Uh, six straight wins uh, to the Super Bowl where they only lose by a field goal. Um you know, I, I know some Ravens fans want to write it off, and I and I understand it because they're a division rival, and we don't like that that they did to us what we had done to them the previous two seasons. Let's be honest: the the, the Bengals, Ravens, the Ravens last year. We just saw what the other side of it was like. But this team, it, it, there's no reason I think to believe that they were a flash in the pan and and are just going to be a one year wonder. I think they've got a solid base. Uh, both on the offensive side and the defensive side to build on. And it's going to be really exciting for the next couple of seasons. I think this is the new AFC North rivalry. To round out the defense, last year they kind of committed to their front seven, uh, improving their ability to get after the quarterback and defend the run, and we saw that. So I think that part's solid, and they improved their secondary, in my opinion. They still have Mike Hilton there. They got Dax Hill. Um, I think Awuzie is already a good corner Eli Apple, for the joke I made earlier, isn't 
horrendous. <laughs> like he's serviceable, and I think honestly, uh, Taylor Britt, I wouldn't be surprised, gets a good run of snaps um, relatively early. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out for them. But I do think they have, you know, the built from the back to the front, so to speak, um, with a similar build to how the Ravens built their defense. So to round out, do we just want to say quickly what what we predict the division standings will be for? I don't want to round out. I still have to talk about my special teams. The only people. All right, man. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. you talk about your special teams. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was just thinking like I was the only person that had special oh, teams man. in there. But we don't have to put it. I mean, I guess we, we didn't talk about the new best kicker in the NFL, right? The new best, you know, yeah. Bengals. <laughs> money, money McPherson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they re-signed Huber, so. Uh, no, I, I was just fun. I thought it funny. I was the only one who like oh, put the special teams in the notes, but yeah. Was McPherson's I mean, rookie year even comparable to Justin Tucker's? I'm just, I'll just look that up quickly. Just Man, curious. he, he is allowed to be good, but not the good. Yeah. It was, you want to know a crazy pretty, stat? It was pretty good. Yeah. A crazy stat that I learned uh, while listening to a Browns podcast today. Apparently the Cleveland Browns have only made one field goal over 50 yards since 2016. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. I mean, that's what the podcast said, and it was by Browns fans. So I'm going to assume they wouldn't pull that that stat out to make themselves look that bad out of you know for no reason. But yeah, so I mean, I guess we could talk about their new kicker because they think that he can kick 50 yard field goals. But <laughs> <laughs> well, he can kick it. I don't know if he'll make it, but he can kick it. <laughs> wow, uh, that's funny. No, that's I think that is important to say. You know that they got a kicker as well, and. You know, we got a new punter. So, I mean, special teams in flux in the AFC North. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Oh, they used a fourth-round pick on him. I, I completely forgot about that. Cade York out of LSU. Hey, if you're having that much harder time finding a kicker, I think I think that's perfectly worth a fourth-round pick. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're sick and tired of not being able to go for it at 50-plus-yard field goals. I mean, that's, that's a lot of what the field goals are for Tucker, if we want to be honest, right? Like, a lot of, yeah. a lot of kickers, like, they, that's when they're brought in because um, – yeah, like I, that's kind of crazy. I can't believe it. I'm not even sure how to verify it. It could be fake news, but I'm just going to trust the the Browns like, podcast. <laughs> I kind of buy it, right? Like, I mean, if you don't have a kicker you trust, you're not going to go for it after 50 yards, and it's not like, yeah. I mean, I buy that. I, again, like you said, why would they make that up? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine something that's very noticeable for fans I watch every week, right? Where we only play yeah, it twice, right? But yeah, I think, like you said, Peter, we can talk about who, how we think the division is going to rank. I'll go first. The ranking of the division is as follows. Do I have to give win, win-loss totals? Oh, gosh, no. Okay, good, because no. I don't remember what I said last time for the Ravens. Uh, <laughs> Ravens are number one. Bengals are a close second. And um, the Browns and the Steelers swap positions uh, until the Browns come out ahead. But only the Ravens and the Bengals make the playoffs. Mm. I'm going to say the same thing. But I'm going to say the Steelers get the seventh seed. Wait, but wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. How do you have the Steelers be in last place, but they get the seventh seed? Is that possible? Oh, oh yeah. wait a second. Hold on, hold on. Wait, but Alex like said a, the Steelers and the oh Steelers and okay, never mind. They swapped for a bit, but then the Browns came out ahead. So All right, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying. Okay, so you're saying the Steelers would be third. I think what's going to happen is Ravens, Bengals, Steelers all have the same exact record, and tiebreakers are going to be the Ravens win the division and Bengals, Steelers make the wild card, and the Browns are out of it. That's how close I think that that this race is going to be, and the Browns, I think, wow. might only finish but one how? or two games out. How I don't I don't understand how like barring a major injury the Ravens aren't and the Bengals aren't better teams than the Steelers like I don't I don't really understand how this happens I the Steelers always find a way to win they always do it doesn't matter if if they have they can have a freaking jugs machine at quarterback they did basically <laughs> with Duck Hodges and they still almost made the playoffs that year the Steelers are they they yeah, just know how to win us with Charlie Batch there are like, there are three there are four coaches in the NFL that I can never count out I can never count out a John Harbaugh Bill Belichick Andy Reid or Mike Tomlin coach team I I just can't. But all four of those guys know what the hell they're doing. And I, I, just, I can't see the Steelers having a losing record this year. And I can't see these three teams not just beating up on each other. Wow. Interesting. All right, yeah. Crystal, you got to break this. What's going on here? Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough, man. Like, I mean, the Ravens do have question marks. I mean, my homer take would be that they finish first. But 
um, you know, I think it, it could be realistic for the Bengals to kind of be there as well. I could say, you know, one thing that might be a little bit tricky for them, look, they're going to have a first place schedule this year. Um, and I think teams are going to know that like, hey, um, they're not going to be surprised by them this year. Um, so, you know, I do think it's going to be a little bit tougher for them. So, you know, I could, I could see them, I could see them dropping a second, but I'm kind of with Peter, man. Like, I, I think, I think the Steelers have bits to be a good team. And I think if they can get good quarterback play out of whoever's going to start, like, I think that they've got a, they've got enough pieces on their team to be, uh, good enough. Um, I think with the Browns, like, I just can't see them finishing above the Steelers with their, you know, with, with what's going on with Watson. I mean, I, obviously it's kind of similar situ- situations, but I do think the Steelers, you know, have a little bit better of a situation with even if Trubisky plays, he's going to be okay. Even if Pickett plays, it's going to be okay. The Browns, like they were literally just signing quarterbacks up until a couple of weeks ago uh, because <laughs> yeah. they just don't know who's going to play. Um, if Baker was going to be there as the backup, uh, I'd say maybe there might be a chance, but he's gone. So, for me, I think that's just a big wild card. Um, and we talked about, you know, some of their imbalances on offense. So, um, you know, I, I kind of see them kind of the tail end of the division. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I certainly think the Ravens can make the playoffs. But, um, you know, it's like a 1A, 1B situation with the Bengals. Oh, yeah, we could definitely be a wild card this year. Let's be honest, right? Like, unfortunately, with the way it works out, you know, we don't win the division. We, uh, we get the wild card or don't get the playoffs at all. So even if you have a really good team, there might be one that's slightly better or just, you know, play better in the regular season. So I can totally see that. All right. One, all right. One thing I just had to look up the Bengals schedule, their December is really hard. Uh, they have a home game against the chiefs. Um, another home game against the Browns. Then they go at bucks at Patriots home against the bills. And then, uh, home against the Ravens. They're too beat up. They can't succeed. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a lot of playoff teams right there. Like, that is a lot. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a gauntlet for sure. That's what happened when you win the division. Yep. Rough life. I mean, it's like the Ravens have a tough stretch too to finish it off. I mean, you got Denver, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Then we get the, the bye week with Atlanta, but then Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. It's a rough stretch as well. Yeah. But again, also well rested because before that six game streak, you got the three week bye week with your actual bye week, and then Carolina and Jacksonville. <laughs> I don't know about Jacksonville though. God, they, they're so annoying. That it's is true. Close. Yeah, we did talk about how somehow the Ravens can't beat them big. And Trevor Lawrence, man, you know, definitely not just my dynasty share. It is just my dynasty share talking. I wouldn't give a shit if not. But still. <laughs> You look at the highlights. It, it, his his mechanics, his footwork are there. His teammates are not. So we'll see. Well, I think we welcome everybody to let us know what they think is going to happen in the division. Let us know if you think we missed anything with the uh, teams that we covered today. And uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter, one winning pod, or you can email us one winning pod at gmail.com. We'll be back probably in two weeks to talk about that preseason game maybe a little maybe a show right before to talk about what we're gonna look out for in the preseason games but yeah it's like the season is here guys and i can't it's it's blowing my mind a little bit all right go ravens (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know our minds were too blown to respond (laughs) i was picking it up over the floor on the floor maybe give me a chance to finish (laughs) 